In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who comes to bring us something to believe in that we can barely see right now. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I remember this sort of strange memory of a conversation that I had with an ex-girlfriend way back, like in high school, and how she was telling me that her and her friend uh, would uh, play this little game when they were taking a road trip down the road. And this little game was that they would, uh, you know, be driving along, and and you know how you pull up next to somebody and they kind of look over at you? Well, at that moment, uh, they, they would say to the other car, olive juice and uh, and on the other side of olive juice if you don't hear the words what it looks like is that they're saying I love you and so if you're you know looking for something to say to that you know loved one that that kind of connects up with the sermon later on today you can just go up to them and you can say hey honey olive juice and hopefully they'll know what you're talking about. And, and what that is, 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 you know, it's one of these interesting things about how we understand language, how we understand other people talking to us. In fact, there's this thing called the McGurk effect. The McGurk effect is essentially sort of a, a audio um, a hallucination, if you will, or, or a, a, some sort of sleight of hand. And, and what that is, is that... Uh, if you say two words that are essentially phonemes uh, that sound similar, so like far and bar, and, and if you have those two words and you have a video of those people saying those words, but if you switch it up, if you have the person saying far, but you have their video saying bar with a B, which is different than an F, what they will actually probably hear, unless they're really looking for it, is they will hear the wrong thing. They'll hear the thing that they see the person saying rather than actually hearing the audio. And so there, there is sometimes a little bit of a disconnect in our brains between the things that we are able to see and the things that we are able to hear. And so because of that, we, we have these brains that sometimes go, well, can I really believe what I'm seeing? Or can I really believe what I'm hearing? And that jumps us into this moment, this moment in time when Elijah and Elisha are uh, together uh, for the very last time in their lives. And uh, just so that you can kind of keep track, the way that I remember who's who is that Jab comes before S, and so Elijah comes before Elisha. Elisha is the younger one. And so keep that in mind if you're having trouble keeping up with the story here. So Elijah is, is the sort of teacher figure. And Elisha is the sort of person who is being mentored. He's the Padawan, if you put this in Star Wars language. He's the one who's learning 
from Elijah how to be a prophet. And he knows that this is the very end. Uh, he knows that this is the moment, again, if we're going to Star Wars, uh, that uh, you know, old Ben Kenobi is having his battle with, uh, with Darth Vader. You know, things are not going to turn out well there, and uh, somebody is going to go off and, and get one of those blue hologram sort of things. And, and so what we have here is that we have an interesting moment of Elijah and Elisha. It's the very last thing that Elijah is doing. And what Elijah is doing might actually sort of tell us about the other person that shows up with Elijah when we get to the transfiguration. And so if we watch where these guys are going, what is happening is it appears that they're making a big circle. And so Elijah is making this big circle. And at the end of this circle, they're crossing over the river Jordan. And so immediately, whenever you hear, oh, crossing over the River Jordan, if you are a good Hebrew, you go, boom, I know what that's all about. That is hearkening back to my people coming into the promised land. And uh, who led the people? Well, the uh, one who led the people in was Moses. And then after him was Joshua. And so when we see this thing happening where, uh, where, where they're, they're being led across the Jordan River, and we don't have this in our reading, but eventually Elisha, just a few moments later, uh, goes back across the Jordan River to kind of fulfill that Joshua moment. And we have this sense of, okay, what's happening here is that Elijah is saying, listen, as prophets, what we are to do is we are the bearers of God's eternal word in its context. We are the bearers of God's eternal word as it figures into people's lives in the present. And that's what the prophetic office is about. That's why we continue to have a prophetic office in things like word and sacrament, where, where there's this idea of God's word coming to us so that it may be heard, so that you may hear that your sins are forgiven like I just said to you, so that you may hear that the word of God has assurances for you, so that you may hear even sometimes when we point out what might be wrong in your lives, and so that you may hear that there is a real hope and a real assurance that you have in a resurrection and in life eternal. And so what's going on in this reading with Elijah and Elisha is that there's this interesting moment of they're bumping into all of these people. Yeah, they're, they're bumping into all of these sort of jerks, right? Yeah, they, they, they go up to him and, and they say, hey, don't you know your teacher is going to leave you today? And, and it, you know, it seems like Elisha isn't ready to hear that yet. Because he says, yes, I know. Now be quiet. And he's kind of like, I know, but don't say it. I know, but I don't want to hear it. I can see it, but I don't want to hear it. And so we've got that kind of moment where everybody's like, we can see what's happening here. And Elisha's like, I can see it too, but I don't want to hear it. I don't want both of those things to be the reality for me at this point. And so they, they take this trip, they t- take this sort of mosaic trip, they, they sort of prefigure or postfigure the, the trip of Israel into the promised land, and then from there, there's this weird thing that happens. 
this weird thing where, where all of a sudden, out of the vision of all of those people that have showed up in this reading so far, there's this miraculous thing that happens. And Elijah says, look, you'll, you'll get what you're asking for if you see this. And this thing that he sees is these fiery chariots coming and sweeping away his master up into the heavens. But the strange thing is about it is that he doesn't have any proof of it. He's got nothing. He's got no proof that there were fiery chariots anyplace. So that when he goes back and he bumps into all of those guys, you know, the the sons of the prophets and the 50 dudes and all of that, that when he goes back to them, there's nothing. All All he's got is say, here's his coat. And that's it. And so all he can do is point to what they can hear, not what they can see. And so you get to this moment on the Mount of Transfiguration. This, this, Jesus brings up his three besties. He, he brings up Peter and James and John, the sort of inner circle of the disciples, and he brings them up there and he shows them this glorious thing. This glorious thing where he is transfigured before them. And his clothes become radiant white as nobody could ever bleach them. And that's a Mark-specific thing, by the way. Uh, Mark is the only one who tells us about his clothes being radiantly white. And you've, you've got this sort of moment where, uh, you, you know, Peter goes, well, let's make some tents, and uh, you've got some other things, and then the moment whoosh, ends. And they look up, and they just see Jesus. And there's this moment where they realize that all they can do is tell other people what they've seen. And so what do they tell other people? Well, Peter, who is there probably dictating these words to Mark, says his clothes became radiantly white like nobody could ever bleach them. And, and uh, James and John uh, understand this, and, and they, they bring those things to bear in, in the other, other Gospels. And you, you have this moment, though, of like, what, what do I say? And the interesting thing is that all of the Gospel accounts all bring forward the most important thing that is said on that mountain. And that most important thing that is said on that mountain is said by the booming voice of God the Father. The booming voice of God the Father that says, listen to him. And note what he doesn't say. Note that God the Father doesn't say, listen to them. Which he could. 
Because Moses and Elijah right there, they, they sort of, they, they give us two understandings of, of what this law thing is. They give us the understanding of, you know, the establishment of the law with Moses. Moses took the law from God and gave it to the people of Israel. And then Elijah, you know, figuring in as the, the sort of stand-in for all of the prophets of Israel, says not only was that a mosaic thing way back when, but that is a, a active present day thing right now. And, and it's so because of the prophetic office that is lived out among you, God doesn't say, listen to them. God says, listen to him. Listen to this one. Listen to this one who will show you what you can't see yet. Listen to this one who will bring you into a frame of vision that you're blind to right now, but that one day you will see as clearly as Peter and James and John saw Jesus transfigured before them with his clothes dazzling white. And so sometimes it's important what we see. But sometimes it's even more important what we hear. And that's the hope that Elisha carries with him as he lives out his prophetic ministry. Not that people would see this God, this Yahweh, that is to be held in such high regard. This God, this Yahweh, who looks after his people. But rather, that he would be heard. Because we can hear him. We can hear him in his word. We can hear him as he pronounces absolution to us. We can hear him as he explains the scriptures to us. We can hear him as we even just read the text and we hear the words reverberating in our brains. So Elisha's hope is that we would hear him and listen. Listen to this Jesus Christ who came so that we might see. So that one day, because of what he did for us on the cross, we might raise up out of our tombs and see his glorious body, his glorious throne room, and look down and look at our clothes that have been bleached whiter than anyone on earth could make them because they've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. So may you go into this week hearing the word of God and imagining in your mind's eye that day when you will see the word of God.
Amen.